0: So there's a silent majority in this country, there's a lot of people that already know the truth, whether that's Christians or conservatives, it's people that see the evil around them, see the lies around them, and they're waking up to the mess that we're living in.
1: Coming up on British Thought Leaders, I sit down with Reverend Calvin Robinson, a political adviser, broadcaster and conservative commentator. Calvin says the majority of Anglicans feel the Church of England has lost its way
0: and are calling for it to repent. Unfortunately, the church has taken this route in a lot of things, and I think it's because it has been captured by the Marxists. Gender theory, queer theory, critical race theory, you name it, all of it, we can branch under the, the bracket of wokeness, but it is essentially neo-Marxism, which is the work of the enemy. It's un-Christian, it's anti-Christian, and it's trying to destroy our very way of life.
1: He says diversity and inclusivity are not applied when it comes to Christians, often cancelled because of their faith.
0: Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? This tolerance, this diversity, this inclusion, this equality, yet none of it applies to Christians. Why is that? I mean, I get DMs, emails, letters, on a daily basis of people that are either being cancelled or being persecuted or not quite there, but receiving a lot of intolerance because of their views. It is so widespread. And this intolerance is growing and it will become persecution.
1: I'm Lee Hall, this is British Thought Leaders. Kevin Robinson, thank you for joining us on British Thought Leaders. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. So you're probably one of the most famous religious figures in the UK now, and I wonder if you could just tell us your, your story of how you got
0: to this point. Really. Oh, gosh. Uh, which bit do you want to know? Um, I suppose the notoriety came because I fought back. Um, I was commentating on social issues. I used to be an educator, so I used to commentate on the wokeness that was infecting education and how young people were being indoctrinated towards a left-wing ideology. But then in my calling towards ordained ministry, I went off away from education, back into education. I went to seminary to be formed and trained. And I had a battle at the end of my training once I completed it with the Church of England over, well, it's wokeness really, and going down the path of critical race theory, gender theory, queer theory and away from Christ. And I I fought back and it ended up hitting the headlines because I I left the CAV uh, and joined a breakaway group of Orthodox Anglicans. And I suppose that's that's where it all came from.
1: So you're something of a, a lightning rod, really, at this point in the culture wars and very much on the front lines. Is this something you enjoy and do you see it as a spiritual mission?
0: I don't know if it's something I enjoy, but I definitely see it as a mission. This is part of my calling. So I have a bi-vocational calling in that I have a parish ministry, which is lovely, very humbling, uh, very real, real people with real issues. And then I have my media ministry where I've been gifted a platform to speak truth and proclaim the gospel. And I, both of those are important to, to what I'm doing in the mission for helping build the kingdom.
1: You have your, your weekly show on GB News. Uh, GB News has, has grown really quickly and it seems very much under attack at the moment. Do you take that as a sign of being kind of over the target?
0: Absolutely. Whenever you're doing good work, the enemy comes for you, right? You become a target. And that's literally what's happening here. Um, most GB News presenters have been attacked in some way or another over the last few weeks. It's it's escalating because we're we're winning essentially. You know, more people are tuning in, more people are watching because they're sick and tired of the same old nonsense, the drivel that's being pushed out in the rest of the mainstream media. People feel like they're being lectured. A lot of people feel like they're being lectured to all day, every day on social justice warrior issues, whereas people just want to be entertained and informed. They don't necessarily want um, social engineering down their television.
1: Right. I gave the impression you've kind of become a bit more forthright recently in your rebuttals to things. I wonder how you balance kind of tolerating different views and, you know, trying to persuade people versus kind of drawing a line in the sand.
0: Yeah, I don't do that. I don't try to persuade people. You know, I try to speak the truth as best I can. Uh, I refer to the scriptures for that. Uh, I try to live a life in Christ. I acknowledge we're all sinners, so I obviously fall from time to time, but I try to repent and get back up and pick up my cross again. Uh, but I'm never out there trying to persuade people of anything. I think the way that we evangelize is by living a Christ like life. It's by shining the light in the darkness and it's by um, adding salt to, to the environment around us. It's not by, you know, I don't, it's not rhetoric. Mm-hmm. So I don't ever tr- set out to persuade. I try to speak the truth and that, if that wakes people up, if people have the ears to hear, then they hear. But if they don't, sure enough. But what I try to do quite often is encourage. So there's a silent majority in this country, there's a lot of people that already know the truth, whether that's Christians or conservatives, it's people that see the evil around them, see the lies around them, and they, they're waking up to the mess that we're living in. And they need encouraging to stand up, to stand strong, or to stand firm in the faith, essentially. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to encourage other Christians.
1: Mm-hmm. We, see, we hear a lot of talk uh, and these days about inclusivity. Mm. but We're also seeing more and more stories of People with Christian beliefs being cancelled, being persecuted in different ways. Do you get a feeling that this inclusivity doesn't really stretch to Christians?
0: Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? This tolerance, this diversity, this inclusion, this equality, yet none of it applies to Christians. Why is that? Uh, I mean, there are several reasons. I think, firstly, there's an old fashioned, patronising form of racism going on in the metropolitan liberal elites in that like, they'll tolerate um, Islam, Hinduism. Judaism sometimes, uh, Sikhism, they tolerate these things because they're foreign. And so they have lower expectations of, of these foreign religious beliefs. You know, when a Muslim says, I don't believe there are more than two genders, the metropolitan liberally go, of course you don't, because you're a little Muslim. You don't really know what's right and wrong. We don't expect you. It's fine. You can have those beliefs. But when a Christian says, I don't believe there are more than two genders. God made us male and female. He made us in his image. Then they go, well, that's incorrect. That's, that's not appropriate in this day and age. You need to get with the times. You need to be more tolerant and inclusive and diverse. It's like, well, why don't you be more tolerant of our views and more inclusive of our views and accept diversity of thought and opinion and diversity of, of freedom of worship? Uh, but, of course, it's not about that. It's about see the world through their eyes, otherwise you are a bad guy. It's a very narrow worldview that I think is flawed and is falling apart around them.
1: Um, I'm trying to get kind of my head around how widespread this is, because obviously we hear about the cases where they, people come forward and there's a platform for it. Yeah. And there must be a lot of things happening that we don't hear about. I wonder if you have any thoughts on how widespread it is.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I get DMs, emails, letters on a daily basis of people that are either being cancelled or being persecuted or not quite there, but receiving a lot of intolerance because of their views. It is so widespread. You know, on my show... Our GB News on Saturdays at 7pm, Calvin's come to Central Crusade. Every week there's someone to talk about. There's a teacher that's been dismissed. There's someone who's been counselled for wearing a Christian cross or something. Like every week we have something to talk about. I'm never stuck for topics of conversation. And that's a problem. You know, I should reach a point where I'm like, okay, there's, there's nothing to say today. We're in a good place. I wish I could do that, but I can't. And th- this intolerance is growing and it will become persecution.
1: For someone such as yourself, obviously, if something happens, you have a platform where you can talk about it and, and, and let people know. But for the ordinary person who faces losing their job, their livelihood, etc., yeah. how can they have the courage to, to speak up for their beliefs?
0: But I have the platform because I spoke up for my beliefs. Yeah. So I think when we step out in faith, we are rewarded. And God is a, a patriarch, right? He is the ultimate patriarch. He is the provider and protector. If we... Fight his fight, he will fight our fight. That's the way I see it. You know, when I came to the end of my training in the Church of England, I had nowhere to live. So I'd be my course in Oxford was finished. I was supposed to be going to live in a in a parish in London. That was taken away from me. I, I had so I had no job, nowhere to live, uh, no income. But I stepped out and said, you know what, I can't go down this track, I'm leaving the Church of England. I stepped out in faith and then I, ha- I was rewarded. I, got a pla- I was gifted a platform in order to keep speaking the truth. I, f- I managed to afford a place to live and, you know, everything fell into place because I stepped out in the faith and I think there is always a reason not to. Always in life we have a reason not to. People say, oh, When I get this next promotion, I'll be able to speak out better. I just need to get this first, or let me get this job, or you know I can't quite speak out because my wife wouldn't be happy, or you know I've got to get my kids into school. There's always a reason. It's usually a good reason too, but we have to put God first, and that's what the Christian faith teaches us. I mean, when
1: in life everyone agrees with you, life is kind of nice and kind of easy, but when the the things you fundamentally believe in are challenged and just just bad, it's quite tough. Do you think these culture wars are something of a, a test of faith for people?
0: Absolutely. I think we've become splintered and quite tribal as people uh, in the West. I think a lot of it sparked around Brexit in the UK and, and the Donald Trump election in the US. I'm not speaking disparaging against him, I'm just speaking about that election in general. Um, We've become more political as people, and politics has become a day-to-day conversation. And that has meant that we've shifted into our safe spaces, to use the left's language. You know, we live in our echo chambers, myself included. We surround ourselves with people that think similarly, to, similarly to what we do, because that's how we find comfort. But it's not good. That's the that's the diversity we do need: diversity of thought and opinion, not the superficial type of our immutable characteristics or how we look. But to be around people that think differently to ourselves because that's how we grow in strength. And I found the left is particularly bad at this because they, they do surround themselves so often with people that think exactly like them that when they come across someone like us who thinks differently, they don't know how to handle it and they get physically uncomfortable and they just have to shut down and they can't debate, they can't have a conversation, they just have to cancel us because otherwise they'd have to challenge their own worldviews. So we, are, who are not part of that, that, uh, collective on the left we need to make sure that we're not doing that. We need to make sure that we are challenging our own views because we could be wrong too, and we have to acknowledge that. And that's our strength. That's where we are, well, better than them, to be put it to put it bluntly.
1: But do you think we need some kind of way of uniting people of different beliefs, different um, views? who are kind of decent people, getting them together and some kind of shared values, because it feels like the, the fundamental values of humanity are under attack.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The West is under attack massively. And, you know, in Britain, one way we can unite people is under the Union flag, under His Majesty the King, under the things that represent us all. Uh, we saw that with the Queen's Jubilee. We saw that with uh, the King's coronation like when we have a national event, that it doesn't matter what religion you are, doesn't matter what skin color you are, what sexuality you are, what gender you are, you can all come together and celebrate under the British flag, under the British monarch. And I think that's something that we need to remind ourselves of uh, because people, the Marxists are trying to tear that apart too, our nationhood. Our nationhood is important because it's who we are as a people and it's how we differ from other nations and uh, other tribes. And you know, we, I don't want to live in a world that we, that's borderless where it's just beige, nothingness, with no culture, no nations and one more government. That's what the, the Bible advises strongly against that, but it's not something I'm looking forward to.
1: It feels like kind of to be British is a bit of a, a sin these days and kind of looked down upon, whereas if you look at the Japanese they all celebrate their culture.
0: Yeah, there's a strength in that. You know, I don't believe in multiculturalism, I don't think it works, but people who do believe in it should at least acknowledge that we need a predominant culture Right. We need if we want to be diverse and inclusive and equitable. If we want to welcome people in, that's fine. I mean, that's fine for people to argue. I would argue otherwise, but that's fine for people to argue. But if they are arguing that, we have to have something to welcome them in too. And in Britain, we have a British culture, and we should celebrate that culture. And if we want to say, yeah, come on in, take part in our culture, bring a bit of yours with you, but don't expect to live by your standards, your societal standards, or your culture or your social norms, because we have different social norms. We have a different culture here and we think that's important, but we're so shy about doing that because we have to be treat all cultures as equal. All cultures are not equal in lots of different ways. You know, there are ways that other cultures are better than ours, but there are certainly ways that ours are better than others. You know, in this country, we don't throw people off the roofs for being homosexual, and we wouldn't stone a woman to death for showing her face. You know, these are things that we would consider serious, and we have to, we have to live and die by these rules.
1: A lot of the progressive values these days go against uh, values taught in the Bible, or for yourself as someone who um, is kind of giving sermons etc, at some point you have to make a choice, do you become more progressive or do you go against the tide and deal with the backlash? Yeah. And how do you feel that the church is faring in, in standing up to wokeness?
0: It's failed, it's absolutely failed. The established church of this realm has buckled under the pressure and embraced the world. It is more afraid of the world than it is of God at the moment. That's a great shame. It needs to repent, and I'm calling it to repent, and 85% of Anglicans around the world are calling the Church of England to repent. I was in Rwanda a few weeks ago at the GAFCON conference, Global Anglican Futures Conference, where the primates representing 85% of Anglicans around the world got together and put a very strong statement, uh, to Canterbury saying, we no longer recognize you as the first among equals, we no longer recognize the authority of the Archbishop of Canterbury, you need to repent and return the Church of England to the Scriptures on these issues of you know, trying to bless same-sex unions and things like this that go away from the Scriptures and trying to bless what God has called sin. It's, it's inappropriate, it's wrong. And unfortunately the Church has taken this route in a lot of things and I think it's because it has been captured by the Marxists gender theory, queer theory, critical race theory, you name it, all of it we can branch under the, the bracket of wokeness, but it is essentially neo-Marxism, which is the work of the enemy. It's un-Christian, it's anti-Christian, and it's trying to destroy our very way of life.
1: So we're at this point where there's kind of the, the, the church management, if you like, and then the majority of Christians underneath really have completely different views.
0: Yeah, yeah, people in the pews are the most faithful people you'll ever meet, and lots of the clergymen are incredibly sound. It's the hierarchy that has been captured. The House of Bishops need, you know, we need to drain that swamp. It's, it's to, totally gone. Um, it's the structure of the system that we have that one person essentially selects the bishops in this country. Uh, people will, will tell you all kinds of things, but it's, it essentially comes down to one person. That person is a liberal who lives a very anti-Christian lifestyle. So if that person is the one who's selecting our church leaders, then of course we're going to be in a mess.
1: So we're talking a a fundamental reshaping of the system.
0: Yep, yep. I would just clear out the House of Bishops and select new bishops or make it democratic amongst the clergy or or just look at a a new system. But the Church of England needs to find a way to repent. And one of those issues, one of those key issues is the ordination of women. They need to reverse that decision. They need to go back to the scriptures, go back to the faith as once delivered to, to, uh, to the saints and restore our tradition and our heritage as Christians.
1: I was talking with Daniel French about this idea of uh, Christianity becoming something of an underground belief, and he was saying, Well, this is already happening. He gave the example of academics, um, Christian academics who keep their head below the parapet because of all the
0: council culture. Yeah. Is this something that you can see happen? Oh, massively, everywhere. I was at the BBC yesterday uh, for my sins, and I was waiting around in the lobby area, and one of the presenters came up to me on the way and said, Kevin, I support what you're doing, thank you very much. I'm like, that's in, that's fascinating to me because i see you know within an environment of the metropolitan liberal elite there's always that one person who's like you know i support what you're doing mm-hmm. I, I am i am scriptural i'm a christian i'm orthodox however i have to keep my head down because i don't want to get eaten alive by the woke mob and i understand that but at the same time as Christians, we have to be stronger. We have to stand firm for the faith. We have to fight the good fight for the faith. We cannot afford to live our quiet lives with our heads buried in the sand, as ostriches. That's not what we're called to do. Um, it's, it's anti-scriptural. The scriptures tell us to put on the whole armour of God and go forth and disciple the nations. We can't disciple the nations while we're being silent.
1: And do you think we'll get to the point where people such as that presenter are gonna kind of come forward and change their minds? Or?
0: Hopefully, but again, this comes back to what we were saying earlier that in that people like myself and, and Father Daniel French are trying to encourage other Christians, you know, and they can't cancel all of us. If we all stand up together, they can't chop off all our heads. I mean, they could try, but so what if they do? What is the worst that can happen as well? That's another thing I like to ask people. Because the first Christians were martyred for their faith, they died for their belief in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. All we're asked to do is speak up a little bit and perhaps have some of our friends dislike us and or potentially lose a job, but then we can file for discrimination. So we are protected under the law. uh, There's not much at risk, really.
1: So we're back to this idea of the culture wars being the test of faith for for modern-day Christians.
0: It absolutely is. It's more than a test of faith. It's a fight for the very soul of this nation.
1: The One approach that I've I've noticed quite a lot is this um, conflating sin and sinner so, you criticise a piece of behaviour as immoral, and the response is that you're criticising the whole group of people that do that and you're a bigot, yeah. and it kind of stops people from criticising bad behaviour, I wanted to get your thoughts on this.
0: Uh, again, it comes down to, I think on the, on the hard left, there's, there's a particular group of people that don't have a moral compass. You know, the woke lot have invented their own values or their own virtues, which I would say are vices, actually, such as pride, where we have a whole, whole month of celebrating debauchery and degeneracy. But they don't have a moral compass to look to, like we as Christians have the scriptures. So when they see a lifestyle that challenges their view, that makes them uncomfortable because they feel judged, even if we're not judging them. So just by living a Christian life, we are upsetting them in their lives. So that's one of the reasons they want to cancel us. But then sometimes if we do pass a judgement, which of course we're all capable of doing because we're all sinners and this is how we interact with other people, if we do pass a judgement on a particular activity, they will feel like it's passing a judgement on them because they centre their entire identities on these activities. Take for example, if you say that, look, sex is something that happens between a man and a woman, sex is something that happens between a married couple, sex is something. That happens in the bounds of marriage. Now that would upset a whole host of people who who are suggesting that actually they want to fornicate, uh, they want to be adulterers, they want to sodomise, and that's their lifestyle, but also their identity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So many people will say, "I am gay." It's like, well, you might be same-sex attracted, but why why do you make that the very core essence of how you centre your life? Why do you centre your life on your sexuality or your or, you know? So. When we challenge that, any part of that, it's challenging their very being and who they are. So we need to get back to saying, look, immutable characteristics do not define us, and we don't need to centre our identity on these labels that the left want to put on us. We need to centre our identity on the things that unite us. I, I would say Christians should, first of all, identify as Christians, not a gay Christian or a black Christian or anything, just a Christian. Mm-hmm. And then if you're, even if you're not Christian, as Brits, the thing that we should unite under is being British, right? So again, it's something we subscribe to, something we choose to be, I mean, we can can leave the country if we don't like it. We choose to live here, so we can identify as British, and then it doesn't matter, again, if you're gay, black, white, um, uh, I don't know, any any gender, sex, race, or religion all comes under that uniting bracket. And again, it's unity that we should be looking towards, not division. This is kind of a ploy
1: of the left, isn't it, that identity is the key thing and everything's about yourself and yeah. you can't really um, progress doing that.
0: Everything is about yourself, you're right. The, the hard left make gods of themselves, they make gods of us, our identity. It's, it's idolatry. You know, this whole idea that our life should be set, spent finding our inner self, our true self, we have to be true to our self, our lived experiences, that is vanity, it's vain glory but it's also idolatry because we literally are making God of ourselves. Our lives, uh, as Christians, we would teach our lives are spent for the greater glory of God. We're supposed to live a full life, but we're also supposed to worship God. And it's about exploring that relationship between us and Him. And when we do that, we're looking at something bigger than ourselves. We're zooming out of ourselves. So we have to care about our family and our community and our nation and then the world. And that's that's a good thing. When we're focused purely inwards, we become narcissists and everything else falls apart. This is why we look at the West today. Family life is pretty much dead. You know, elderly people are shoved off into social care. Babies are killed before they're born. And we're just living selfish lives of career-focused ambition that leads nowhere until we die and then we leave nothing behind.
1: Looking at the recent census uh, and sort of the figures, Christianity is becoming a minority. And so we're faced with a kind of post-religious society if you like, people living without kind of any, any guidance of any sort. How do we deal with that? Like how do we kind of get society to be a, a, a decent place when people don't have those guidances anymore?
0: Well, it's a choice. We, we have to choose our value set we can't be neutral. There's no such thing as neutrality. Nature abhors a vacuum. So if we take Christianity out, something else will replace it. At the moment it seems to be wokeness, but it changes too rapidly that it cannot uh, sustain itself. You know, what they believe one day is different to what they believe the next day. And people they supported one day get cancelled the next day. So it's not sustainable in the long term. Uh, It looks like Islam is growing, so perhaps Islam will fill that void left behind by Christianity. But we have to make a, a choice as a society who we want to be. What does it mean to be British? Is it important to us that we're a Christian nation? I think it is because it's where it's what our nation was built upon. It's the foundation. uh, It's the principles that that built our very nation. But if we don't want to be a Christian nation anymore, then we have to decide what kind of nation we want to be. And the liberal progressives will tell you that oh, we can just be anything for anyone, and that's that's a lie. And look around the world and you know, tell me a working nation that is is entirely secular.
1: One last um, issue I have to get your views on. There's been some talk of uh, legal action being launched against the Department for Education because of what's being taught in schools to children now and it just feels like really quite a serious uh, thing. I mean children are obviously the future of our society and they're being taught some absolutely shocking things. Mm. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on this.
0: Yeah it's very sad. Obviously I used to be an educator myself and I saw a lot of this at the start of it but it's gotten a lot worse since I've left. Uh, We're teaching primary school children you know, as young as five about masturbation, about anal sex, about oral sex, um, just showing them pornography outright pretty much. It's, it's entirely age-inappropriate, it's a safeguarding concern, but it's all being done in the name of die, you know, diversity, equality and inclusion. And it seems like the enemy is winning on that ground, so we need to push back and say, you know, these are our children, we need to protect them, protect their innocence. They don't deserve this, what we're doing to them. It's cruel. It's wrong. And for it all to be happening under a conservative, so-called conservative government is a great shame, but this conservative government is on the way out, so it's going to get even worse under Labour unless the government can put some measures in place now to protect our children, to leave our kids alone, to let them be kids. i Robertson, Robinson. Thank you for joining us on British Thought Leaders. Thank you. God bless you. <music>